Listen, when Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike grab mics, it's real sports, real talk, on the field or on the court. If it happened in New York, it's covered like a blanket, dog. Interviews are ill, simply up close and personal. Batter up, Lloyd's batting first, set the tone. Mike see the right the stadium with a guard and on the phone. Here we go, Giants of Jets, Yankees of Mets, Knicks of Nets. This is only an intro, the show is next. Well, me and the Mad Mike bring you an all-new episode of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Listeners, today is Monday, July 2nd, 2018, and the show airs on Mondays from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and of course, at LloydAThompson.com. So be sure to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss a damn thing and me and Matt Michael also on social media listeners at Lloyd A. Thompson one word on Twitter and Lloyd A. Thompson one word on Instagram that's L-L-O-Y-D for those who need the spelling of my name because it's always spelled wrong be sure to hit that follow button and if you got any questions that you like for me and Matt Mike to answer on this show on air you can send them through email to Lloyd at parkmyfresh.com or you can send them directly to the website. NBA awards were given out this past week. Me and Mad Mike are going to touch up on that. We're going to also touch up on the dreadful New York Mets. We're going to talk some Knicks and we're going to take some questions from you, the listeners. So as always, guys, let's buckle up, sit back and relax. And start spreading the news. Hey, yo! Let's get it! Ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday. That means it's time to talk sports with Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike. Let's go. As always, we gotta find out where the Mad Mike is and where he's calling from today. Yo, Mad Mike, where you at today, baby? What's up, brother? I'm uh, I'm in Madison Square Garden. I'm trying to uh, see if I can locate some of these Nick officials and see uh, what they have on tap for this offseason. Well, you know what, man? It seems like the Knicks are focused on 2019, which is when they'll have some cap space. And kudos to them. You know, uh, Mills was on record, you know, with Stephen A. Smith saying that he doesn't plan on signing, you know, any guys this year. And if he does, it'll be one-year deals. So it seems like they're, you know, they're putting their eggs on a basket in 2019 in which Klay Thompson, Kyrie Irving, and, you know, uh, Evan Inc., Evan Turner will be free agents. So it looks like the Knicks are trying to focus, you know, on moving forward towards that. So maybe they'll be doing something right for a change. But they had the NBA Awards the past week, Mad Mike, and there was some rip-offs and some more rip-offs. So we're just going to go over these things with the fans real quick and run it down. So this was the second time the awards were, you know, aired live on TNT. And, you know, I watched it. I don't know if you did, but, you know, we're just going to give the listeners a complete list of who won what. And the MVP award went to James Harden and the runner up was Anthony Davis and uh, LeBron James from the Cleveland Cavaliers. And which I thought for a change... LeBron James should have won the MVP. Matt Mike, 
I just want to go over some numbers that, um, real quick for the listeners, between LeBron James and James Harden on a season as to why I feel that LeBron James should have won. And me and you discussed this, Mad Mike. The MVP award, for some reason, in all sports are garnered upon how well the team does, that the player is on. And it's not about that. It's not about that at all. It's, it's, it's pretty much an individual award that's supposed to be handed out to the best player in the league. So here we go. LeBron James and James Harden. LeBron James scored 2,251 points compared to James Harden 2,191. He has 709 rebounds compared to James Harden 389. He has 747 assists compared to James Harden 630 assists. His field goal percentage, Matt Mike, surprisingly was at 54.2% and James Harden's was at 44.9. Now here's the thing that may surprise a lot of people, Matt Mike. Three-point percentage, they both were even at 36.7%. All right, LeBron James played more minutes. He totaled over 3,000 minutes compared to James Harden's 2,500 minutes. He played in more games. He played in all 82 games compared to Harden's 72. And LeBron James tallied 18 triple-doubles compared to James Harden's four triple-doubles. So, Matt Mike, can you make some sense out of this for me, please? Well... LeBron James is, is a victim of his own greatness, but he's also a victim of, uh, I'm not going to say a victim. He was, he was one of the main culprits in this year's tumultuous season in Cleveland. I mean, if, when you think about it, uh, it, it was, it was some of his own fault that such a, uh, an amazing season was necessary. And the team still wasn't even all that good. I mean, if the if the Raptors, I mean the Raptors came in first. I think Boston came in second, and they were playing minus two of the the, the biggest players. So um, that that's what I think hurt him. That you just couldn't ignore the fact that you know they had to blow it up mid year because he had such a, a tumultuous relationship with, with his teammates. And, and I think that that gets taken into uh, consideration. Um, I don't. The the one thing I, I don't like looking at minutes. Um, when when pulling uh, when discussing like MVPs is because James Harden probably plays less minutes because they played so many more blowouts and LeBron James has to play so many more minutes because they played so bad and they played so many close games against teams that they probably shouldn't have so his minutes were up at a time when you know Harden's was down so uh, but I I do. Uh, I do get it, man. Um, I, I, I think that they do need to change it from MVP to MOP, most outstanding player. Um, I remember when Melo got that MVP vote, everybody was going insane and saying, how could LeBron James not be you know, a unanimous MVP? And I'm saying, yeah, he was the MOP, most outstanding player that year. But anybody that watched the Knicks knew that this team was nothing without Carmelo. And we're talking about a team they won their division, um, they were like third in the East or second in the East at the time. Um, so it's always, to me, has been been a huge debate between what does MVP actually mean. That's a great point, man, Mike. And I'm glad you brought that up and explained, you know, to the listeners, uh, uh, you know, about that situation. It's odd. And, you know, who knows? And it, this is just the way that it is. I don't know if they're going to change it. I doubt that they change it. You know, but the Rookie of the Year award went to Ben Simmons, you know, with Donovan Mitchell finishing in second and Jason Tatum in third. And that was another award 
that I thought should have went to Donovan Mitchell. Not because of the run that Utah went on in the playoffs, because the playoffs is different from the regular season, which is what the MVP is supposed to be based upon, regular season accolades and not, you know, playoff accolades. But even then, with that being said, I still thought that Donovan Mitchell had a better season than Ben Simmons. And also, Ben Simmons... You know, uh, uh, granted, he didn't play enough games, but he did play last year until he hurt himself, man, Mike. Um, no, I don't think Ben Simmons played any any games last year in the regular season, which is why he was still eligible for a rookie. But remind me, what, what year did Donovan Mitchell get drafted? 2017? Yeah. What year did Ben Simmons get drafted? I think it was 2016. 16. Yeah. Yeah, right? So he's not a rookie. I don't. They, they need to change this rule. Um, one, I don't think on the court he beat him out, period. And two, just from a draft pick standpoint, he's not a rookie. Um, you know, he played in, uh, uh, regardless of whatever, he, he got drafted in 16. Whether he played or not, he sat on a bench for an entire year. He traveled with his team. He got to see what the NBA life was about. And he was already able to make the adjustments in year two, uh, on the court and off the court. Whereas Donovan Mitchell came in as a real rookie and made the adjustment on the court seamless. It was seamless, right? He didn't look like a rookie at any point in, uh, in his entire rookie campaign. I think they got to get it right. The other part of the problem I do have here is I, I think people get caught up in, in the hype of what Philadelphia did because of the process, because of the media, because of you know the storylines. Utah, in its own right, had, had an amazing season, um, just as good as 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 Philly. They went just as far as Philly. Right, they won just as many games in the second round as Philly. So I, I just don't get it, man. Um, I don't like it. I think Donovan Mitchell got shafted, and um, I always feel that way. All right, now so moving on to the sixth man award, Lou Williams from the Clippers won that. Where Eric Gordon finishing second, and Fran VanVleet from the Toronto Raptors finishing third. You know, I've watched the Clippers quite a bit, and Lou Williams is always a solid basketball player. So you know, I, I'm I'm on board with him winning this sixth man of the year award, Matt Mike. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to uh, argue this. Uh, he's been one of the best six men in the league um, for a long time. But I will say this to you. Why doesn't the, the NBA do like like uh, the NFL does? Uh, I'm not the NFL. Um, well, the MLB does. You know, they give a, they, they, the, in baseball, you have an American League award or you have a National League award. I don't understand why, why what's so crazy about that. You know, why can't you have Ben Simmons rookie of the year in Philly in the, on the East and, and, and uh, Donovan Mitchell in the West? Why can't you have Lou Williams on the West Coast? And then you can, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand why we can't we can't have this conversation. Why does it have to be just one total? You know, why is James Harden the MVP for, for everybody? Why can't we have LeBron? Uh, you know, Eastern Conference MVP and James Harden, Western Conference MVP. Wow, that's a great vote. Fans, with Matt Mike saying that, how about you send us something, you know, saying whether or not you agree with that idea or disagree with that idea and as to why. And in next week's show, you know, we'll run it off and see what your opinions are. But that's a great point, Matt Mike. Why not do that? You know, there's just, you know, there's quite a few teams and, you know, there should be an MVP of the Eastern Conference and yada, yada, and the same thing for the Western Conference. That's a great point. And I didn't even think about that until you just brought this up. But the Defensive Player of the Year award, and again, this is another question mark in my Robbery, opinion. Robbery, dude. Robbery. Rudy Gobert won it from the Utah Jazz, with Anthony Davis finishing second and Joel Embiid finishing third. And I see you already animated saying robbery before I even got the name out of my mouth. 
So, <laughs> you know, Rudy Gobert's a guy that dealt with injuries, and we all know if those for those of you who follow basketball, you know the type of player that Anthony Davis is, and there's no way in the world that Rudy Gobert should have won Defensive Player of the Year award over Anthony Davis. I don't necessarily know he should have won the, uh, over Draymond Green. I, I don't. I, I mean, come on, dude. I, I don't know what people need to see. Um, you, you throw numbers like. Uh, you want to throw out blocks. He, he averaged less blocks a game. He averaged less rebounds a game. He averaged less minutes a game. He averaged less less games played. I mean, Rudy Gobert missed 29 games or something like that, right? And 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 Anthony Davis just played, had one of his most uh, healthiest seasons of his career. I'm, I, I don't understand what people are looking for, man. I mean, uh, I'll be honest with you, Lloyd. Uh, uh, you play 55 or, or 54 games, whatever it is, at 82, you should automatically be disqualified. Like in baseball, and I'm, I'm sorry, guys, I keep bringing it back. But in baseball, to qualify for a batting title, you have to you have to hit, uh, uh, have a certain amount of plate appearances to, to even qualify before you can even be voted on. So in, in basketball, you know what? Let's say 65 games, or let's say 70. I don't understand this. How can you play 55 games, 54, whatever it was, and be eligible to win an award like Defensive Player of the Year? You you were gone a, a quarter of the season. Yeah, you know, for so many things that the NBA may do right when it comes to their players, they do so many things wrong as well. And, you know, situations like this bring those things out, Matt Mike. And you've brought up another great point. You're just continuously bringing up great points and exposing things on how the NBA should do things. And, they, you know, if they have some type of committee, they need to go back to the drawing board and get this thing done right. Because time and, and, and time again, man, Mike, we've seen players get robbed of awards that they deserve that they just don't get. Yeah. And 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 I don't know how you – we didn't even get to talk about this. Uh, as a matter of fact, you tell everybody how you feel about this defensive player award. Then I got a question for you. Well, I mean, I, I just pretty much thought – I feel the same way along your lines. I don't think he played enough games, you know, to, to, to Warner or to, to garnish that award. You know, I saw Anthony Davis to me. You know, from watching both players on the court, I thought Anthony Davis did more for his team defensively and overall than Rudy Gobert did for his team. So, I mean, in my opinion, I thought Anthony Davis got robbed. Like you said, you brought up Draymond Green. I can see Draymond Green. You know, I would vote. I would have voted for Draymond Green over Rudy Gobert. So there's player names on this. On you know that weren't even that that gone. You know that that should be in a discussion. That's not even on the list and didn't even. You know what I'm saying? This is ridiculous, man, Mike. So we've we've gone over three or four awards, and out of there's only been one award that we said the player deserved it. And every other yeah. award, we you know we're like, yo, this dude got robbed. This dude got robbed. That's ridiculous. He shouldn't have got that. They, we should not even be. You know what I'm saying? That shouldn't be the case, man, Mike. No, man. It shouldn't be, but it is. And there's nothing that I can't even argue. We can't even disagree to agree. And you know how we are when it comes to that. We're both like, yeah, this dude don't deserve it. But you know what? I think that's why they do it. I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't. I don't think these awards are about who deserves what. I think these awards are all about um, causing chaos and and having us talk about guys getting robbed because not for nothing. It kind of keeps you in the news a little bit longer, right? Because if Anthony Davis wins it, who cares? We we all agree he should have won it. We'll move on. We'll, we'll all be happy he won it and move on. But because he lost, now we're forced to have this conversation. Um, the question I have for you, man, was, was this. Uh, you So you had these awards. KD doesn't show up. LeBron James doesn't show up. They don't attend. 
Um, is the NBA doing the right thing having these award shows? Uh, I understand why they're doing it because, um, like you said, James Harden is playing on the best team in the league, and you would hope that if he's going to get the MVP award, he's going to receive it during the finals. Um, you know, at some point, but they're not having these awards in the arena anymore during the playoffs because they don't know if the teams are going to be knocked out. And I have a problem with it because these players, obviously, LeBron James didn't want to be bothered with an award show. Your best players have to be present whether they're going to win an award or not. I mean, if you're trying to advance the game, aren't your best players and brightest faces what advances the game to begin with? That's true. I mean, and it could be looked upon as being, you know, a sour grape or a sour apple. Now, I'm not saying that LeBron James and KD, you know, that's the case with them. But, I mean, let's face it, Matt, Mike, me and you both know that if LeBron James would have won an award, he would have been there. Correct. You know? So, so, yeah, yeah, 100%. So, I I think, you know what, not for nothing, find another way to do it, man. If you got to give out these awards, these awards are supposedly voted on um, at the end of the regular season, right? So if you got to start giving these awards away in the first round and letting these teams, because most of these awards go to players that are in the playoffs. You know, Anthony Davis was in the playoffs. Will Williams was in the playoffs. Uh, James Harden was clearly in the playoffs. And I know I'm missing somebody. Rudy Gobert was in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. You know, give them all, all out in the first round. Let these fans celebrate with their, with, you know, with their, their, their award winners. Let them get your baseball does it all the time. They you, they collect their uh, award at home plate before a game, and and I know I keep bringing it back, but it's because I think I feel like baseball does it right when it comes to that, and I think the NBA com- continuously gets it wrong. I mean, Rudy Gobert is over there celebrating with food with nobody. He should be able to get that in the arena on a on a home game in the first round and let those fans cheer him. Votes in. You everyone knows who who who, who won the awards. Right. You know who won the awards the very next day after the season ends. I got I to gotta admit, man, Mike, you're knocking it out the park with all these, you know, with all these, you know, um, explanations as to how things should be done. Great point again. Really great point. You know, and we'll, let's move on to the most improved player. And I think they got this one right, man, Mike, Victor Oladipio from Indiana. Uh, he won the award. He had a really good season, bounce back season. Um, you know, when he was in OKC. You know, maybe he was out of place playing with Westbrook, you know, but he looked really good in Indiana. And, you know, the follow-up was Clint Capella from Houston and Spencer Dinwiddle from the Brooklyn Nets. So Victor Oladipo won the um, most improved player. Oh, I'm, I'm on board with that. I'm, I'm, I'm clearly on board. I, I just found it funny the week that he wins it and shows the world like, hey, man, I, I can really play this game uh, when a point guard is eating up 41% of the overall possessions. And then the same freaking week, Paul George, who, who didn't look like himself this season, re-ups with, uh, you know, OKC. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, uh, and, oh, he, he deserves to win that award. Okay. And I, I hope he continues to, to shine. All right, so it seems like he's found the home in Indiana. You know, they got, you know, they, they had a strong, they, they actually looked pretty strong in the playoffs. And they have a bright upside. So we'll see what happens, you know, moving into next season. But the Coach of the Year award went to Dwayne Casey, former coach of the Toronto Raptors, who's now coaching the Detroit Pistons. Hopefully in a future show we'll get our friend Langston Galloway from the Detroit Pistons to come on as that's his new head coach. 
and give us his thoughts on, you know, his excitement about playing with him and how he feels about Dwayne Casey. But one up was Quinn Snyder and Brad Stevens of the Boston Celtics. Um, you know, there's a couple of all the coaches again, man, Mike, that could have been on this list or that should have been on this list that wasn't. Yeah, um, man, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I We all knew Dwayne Casey was going to win the award. And um, I don't think he deserved that award over Brad Stevens. I just don't. That's um, who my vote would have went to. I was just going to say yeah, that. It I, I, Brad I just Stevens. don't. Quinn Snyder finished ahead of Brad Stevens, Matt Mike. Nah, none of it made sense to me. I'm, I'm looking at a team that lost Gordon Hayward in the first quarter of game one of the season. They're, 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 they're off-season, you know, their big-time acquisition in the off-season uh, signing. And, and then they lose Kyrie and what? Uh, February, right after the All-Star break. And this team still finished second in the East. They still made it to the Conference Finals. And once again, I know that the Conference Finals uh, doesn't matter. Um, but I think the fact that they finished, you know, second overall, second best record. Uh, I mean, the Raptors were healthy all year, man. And, and uh, I mean, I, I just don't get it. I, I, whatever. I, I don't know what people are looking for. When, when, yeah, Dwayne Casey had the best team in the East and, and won the most games in the East. But he also was, was pretty much the healthiest team in the East all year. Um, when you consider what Cleveland went through, when you consider what Boston went through, when you consider what Washington went through with injuries, and, and we can go, uh, we can go, you know, on and on, right? When you consider, uh, I mean, uh, you know, maybe Philadelphia coach deserved a a a, 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 a vote, you know, or runner up or something, but I don't know, man, I, I don't like it one bit. All right, so here here we go with the All NBA first team, Mad Mike. So Anthony Davis from the Pelicans, Kevin Durant from the Warriors, James Harden from the Rockets, LeBron James from the Cavaliers, and Damian Lillard from the Portland Trailblazers were your All-NBA first team this year. I didn't hear Rudy Gobert's name. <laughs> right. How, how, you know what I'm saying? That's, how funny is that? He's not even on his list. Nope. All right. So the All-NBA rookie team was Kyle Kuzma from the Lakers, Laurie Markinen from the Bulls, Donovan Mitchell from the Jazz, Ben Simmons from the 76ers, and Jason Tatum from the Celtics. Again, Ben Simmons is on the list with players that he didn't get they, none of those guys got drafted in the same year as Ben Simmons. But here he is receiving another rookie award for a sec as for him being the second year player in the league. All, Take the words right out of my mouth, man. All right, so the all NBA defensive team. Rudy Gobert from the Jazz, Anthony Davis from the Pelicans, Victor Oladipo from the Pacers, Drew Holiday from the Pelicans, and Robert Covington from the 76ers. That's your all-NBA defensive team. And those are the awards for this past season, for the 2018-2017-2018 NBA season. Again, me and the Mad Mike feel that there were so many Awards that were given to players that they shouldn't have been given to. That, the, you know, other players deserved it more. Even with the coaches. So out of, the, all, those, out of all those awards we just named, man, Mike, we agreed that Victor Oladipo, Oladipo what, should have deserved it. 
And I forgot the other guy that we, we mentioned. I'm drawing a blank on it. It might have been his second award. Lou Williams. Yeah, Lou Williams. We're okay with the sixth man of the year award. And everything else, we felt that somebody else should have got something different. And on top of that, listeners, I explained to you why LeBron James deserved the MVP award more than James Harden. And, and you know, Matt Mike brought up a, game, a, a great point as, you know, LeBron James kind of made that bed and he needed to lie in it. But, you know, let's face it. A.K.A. Thanos, he literally single-handedly took that team to the NBA Finals only to get destroyed by the Golden State Warriors after the mishap in Game 1. But I don't think anybody else, I don't think James Harden, if you put James Harden on, and I'm not saying, this is not the dispute, you know, this just doesn't go into the, the fact of dispute in the MVP award, man, Mike. But I just want to see if you agree with me or not. If you put James Harden on that same Cleveland Cavaliers team, they don't get to the NBA Finals. Um, no, hell no. I don't know that. Uh, they might not be a top four seed in the East. I mean, I don't. I I, I, I don't know, man. I don't think. I don't think James Harden makes players better. Um, I just don't. And when I when you listen to guys like Kevin Durant after Game Seven say, "Well, we know James loves to 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 dribble." And because he's dribbling all game, all we got to do is at that point tighten up on the on the guys around him. And when he decides to pass it, they're not going to have enough time to do anything. Uh, I don't think he makes anybody better. I just think that it, it's 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 easy for someone like him to shine in Mike D'Antoni offense. We saw it when 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 uh, Steve Nash was beating out Kobe Bryant, and when the world knew Kobe Bryant was the MVP. Steve Nash is beating them, but why? Because that offense um, allows those guys to shine more, to handle the rock more, to get more credit, and then those lead to more votes. So there was others. There was some free agent signings, Matt Mike. Uh, Trevor Reza signed with the Phoenix Suns, which is a surprise. He signed for a one-year, fifteen million dollar deal. I, I don't, man. Before you even, I, I don't know what they're doing. You just traded for Macau Bridges. And you guys are not close. This is why teams like Phoenix continue to rebuild. I mean, what are you doing? You just traded for this guy. This guy was a number 10 overall pick. He plays small forward. Don't tell me that you gave Trevor Reza $15 million because it's a death signing. No, let your guys and young kids go out there and take their bumps and bruises. And if you're going to continue to rebuild, believe in the process. Tired of this. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah, and listen, hopefully that's what the Knicks are moving towards. So that's what they say. They're gonna do Ennis Cantor. He opted in. That's what? great. That's that's the biggest trade chip the, the Knicks have now. Fair enough. And I was just gonna say that that was a good thing for the Knicks that he opted in because he's in, you know, he's on a he's on the final year of a contract. And obviously, you know, we let's face it, the Knicks are not gonna make the playoffs. And I'm hoping that they're a lottery team. So I'm prepared to mentally see these dudes get washed every night. But I'm excited to see these players grow. So hopefully they can trade him, you know, for a pick or a couple picks, you know, to a contending team, you know, in, 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 a, in a, um. No, I, I wouldn't even do that. I mean, I'm, now I'm looking at him and I'm saying uh, Lance um, has a, buy, uh, 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 a team option for next year, a $1 million buyout. I think he's making $7 million this year. Um, you can you can attach Cantor to get rid of a guy like Lance or a guy like Courtney Lee now, uh, to a contending team. 
who needs a, a 3 and D wing and like Lee and, and a shortage in big men. How many times do we see it mid-year? Teams are losing their big guys and, and they're making these crazy deals. And you, of course, at that point, you'll make a deal for Ennis Cantor because, you know, he's expiring at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, the sad part about it, man, Mike, is that he wants to be here. You know, and the, and the Knicks just seem to have no interest in re-signing him more than what he's, you know, than what he, than beyond what he's under contract for. So I just, in that um, sense, in that sense, it's a business, and I feel bad for him because how rare is it as New York Knicks fans, man, Mike? Do players, you know, decent? Let's face it, he averaged 14 points and 11 rebounds, you know, during the season, and that hasn't been done since I believe Tyson Chandler did it. Nope. But I'll tell you this: if he doesn't come in here and he's not shooting three pointers and he's not figuring other things that he can do on the court outside of rebounding, um, they're, they'll move on from him quick. He's not a lockdown defender, so if he's not doing other things, it was just like it's the it's the Willie Hernan Gomez uh, situation, right? If you can't do enough on this court to ignore the fact that you know you don't play defense or you don't excel in certain things, then, then what, man? Yeah, you so gotta it, go. it looks like the Knicks are already divorcing themselves from Ennis Cantor, and I don't know, maybe that's why he opted in. Who knows? But it seems like, the, you know, divorce is inevitable in 2019. So, you know, uh, Kevin Durant re-upped with the Golden State Warriors. He signed a $61 million deal taking less money. Um, I think he could have made 35 and he took 30 And, you know, I'm hearing, again, you know, we brought up Dwight Howard. I'm hearing Jamal Crawford. I'm hearing Avery Bradley. So these dudes are just restocking and adding guys, good, you know, solid veteran players that's going to make this, you know, the bench, you know, this team. I'm, I'm already almost picking these guys to win a championship again, Matt Mike. And we haven't even started anything yet. Um, yeah, I mean, he, 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 it's really a one year, right? He took a two year, but, but the second year is a player option. So he'll probably do a LeBron James and opt out. Why leave any money on the table? Um, so... But at the same time, it's, it's uh, as long as they're all together, they're going to continue to get guys. I mean, Jamal Crawford is the perfect player on that team, right? 39, 38 years old, but can still score. All he's got to do is, is be able to hit an open free, you know, open uh, three-point shot. And then Dwight Howard, all Dwight Howard has to do is post up in the middle and watch the, the other four spread out the freaking defense and dump it into him two feet under the hoop. It's, it's yeah, these guys are scary. It's scary right now. Yeah, I mean, if they get those guys on board, man, Mike, this team is even much better, much, I mean, much better than the team that won a championship, the team that dismantled Cleveland in four games. So Chris Paul, he re-signed with the Houston Rockets. On a four-year, I believe, $160 million deal. So Chris Paul is making $40 million a year, man, Mike. I'm, I'm going to piss you off right here. I'm going to piss off some listeners. Houston Rockets One of the gave most... $40 million to a guy that deals with, that, that's been dealing with injuries. Can't even, can't even stay healthy through the playoffs. And, who, you know, he's on a, he's on a, he's, 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 what is he, 30? In his 30s now? Yeah, I think he's like 32, 33 years old. A um, couple years. Uh, I think he's maybe two years younger than Melo, maybe a year. But, I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, you, you might get upset with me. Listeners might get upset with me. They might tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. One of the most overrated con players when it comes to contract there is. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's not a superstar. 
But I'm telling you right now, that's not a forty million dollar a year player. And, and, and you know, part of part of being a superstar is your availability. This guy has hurt more than any superstar there is out there. Um, he he continuously dealing with some form of a hamstring, an ankle, a finger. There's always something. Ask Doc Rivers. There's always something that goes wrong um, at, at the most crucial times. And I, I wouldn't pay this man $40 million. Does he make you better? Sure. But to remember something. Um, outside of Melo, I mean, him and Melo have, have the same amount of conference finals, uh, trips to the conference finals in their career. One. So so let's let's not... Let's pump the brakes there a little bit. You know what I mean? No, I agree with you. I don't think, you know, and I and, and I like Chris Paul. You know, we had this discussion at some point. I had this discussion with other people where I feel if Chris Paul wouldn't have got hurt, you know, maybe the outcome might have been different in game seven. But people yeah, but, also pointed out that uh, somebody was hurt from the gold that, that yeah. uh, Iguodala was hurt from the Golden State Warriors. So, you know, that kind of washed each other out. I remember the Warriors were up two games to one when, when Iguodala got hurt. There's a chance that Iguodala, we don't even get to game six or seven if Iguodala doesn't get hurt. So I'm kind of, I don't like that argument either because people forget, oh, they had him on the ropes. Well, if Iguodala was healthy, would Chris Paul have mattered? Chase, look, kudos to Chris Paul for managing to, you know, put a, put put something to their head and give, give $40 million out of them. It worked, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see if he can stay healthy. Congratulations to him, not to sound like a sour grape, you know, but we said it last year, a lot of NBA players, you know, are getting more than what they're deserving of, you know, and we could go back to Tim Hardaway Jr. and some other guys, but, you know, you brought up a great point as we was discussing, as we was talking over the phone, that, you know, Chris Paul is one of the head of the player reps for the union, and a lot of, you know, you brought up the fact that, you know, these guys are negotiating deals more so for themselves in the long term than they are for, you know, some of the other guys or some of the other players. Yeah, I, I never thought, I, I said it before, I never thought that that when they negotiated these contracts, they were doing it, um, they were doing it for the long-term health of the league and, and, and the players. And what I mean is, yeah, they, they got the, the, the mid-level exception increased from $5.7 million to almost $9 million, right? But you, you, it doesn't really matter. You can still split that money. So, so all it does is give the team more money to play with, but it also gives teams um, more room for mistakes. Uh, case in point, the Knicks giving uh, uh, your boy Ron $4.5 million, um, you know, their mid-level exception. The more money you give, the, 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 and not saying that everybody makes a mistake, but you have a lot of other guys that, that are, that are, uh, making really bad money. I mean, and you don't think for one second that when they were get, negotiating these super max contracts, they didn't realize that they were coming up on, on, you know, 10 years. And because that's what it is, right? Uh, if you've been in the league 10 years or played on the same team for five seasons, um, you're eligible for this amount of money. Well, if you're Chris Paul, and I'm going to give you a history lesson, folks. Um, if you're Chris Paul, why don't you have to stay with the Clippers to get the max? Because you know you're coming up on you've already had that 10th season. So you can leave them and you're still going to get your $40 million a year. You negotiated that. You put that. So you so this was meant to keep, you know, stars in the cities that they were at. Well, did it keep Paul George and Indy? No. And he still got his $140 million. Did it keep... Uh, Chris Paul in the, with the Clippers? No. 
We we can go down the line. How many how many players have still changed teams? Mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi Leonard trying to stay in uh, San Antonio? No, no for whatever reason it is. But see my point. So they didn't negotiate uh, um, anything that was going to keep these players by you know the viability of the league. They negotiated stuff that they knew that they w- were were going to benefit from on the way out the door. Whoo yeah, something else. But before we go to a quick break, man, Mike. The Knicks offered uh, Mario Hanzonja a one-year mid-level deal. Whether or not he accepts it, I don't know. He has some history with Mills and Perry. Uh, he had a good season last year. Uh, you know, but there's other teams that's interested in him as well. So let's see what happens. Obviously, if, if I'm him and the team can offer me more than that in multiple years, I'm going with that. But I'm also hearing reports that the Knicks are interested in Amir Johnson also. You know, they're reaching out to him as well. So we'll see what happens. But it looks like the Knicks pretty much have their mindset on this on, on Mario Hinzonja, who played with the Orlando Magic last year. He's a 6'9, six, 6'8 six, small forward, I believe. You know, so it's a one-year deal. I'm not mad at that. But I don't, you know, if if he's more deserving of that, I can't see him signing with the Knicks for a one-year mid-level deal. Um, one, uh, he he's not gonna get the full mid-level because uh Mitchell Robinson's deal will come out of the mid-level exception, being a second-round pick. Um, so if they did give him a one-year deal, my assumption is going to be somewhere around one year, $7.5 million. So the remaining money will go to Mitchell Robinson, um, which makes it very unlikely that he accepts it. Uh, former number five overall pick in the draft uh, of Orlando Magic while Scott Perry was there. So Scott Perry is is at the very least familiar with his scouting report and and his strengths and weaknesses. Um, here's a name that I'll throw out to you. Uh, what about a guy like Nerlens Noel? Why don't you let all these players sign in the hype of free agency pass over the next week? And then you look at a guy like Nerlens Noel, um, former number two overall pick, if, if I, I recall correctly, or something like that. Um, you know, somebody that still needs some developing. But once again, like I said, if you're... If you're a team like the Knicks that, that are claiming that it's all about player development right now, why wouldn't you uh, take the chance on a high upside uh, big man, you know, athletic big man uh, who probably has no outside game but, you know, still hasn't reached his ceiling? I'm also excited about their summer league team, which we'll get into future shows, but I'm looking forward to that. There's, they have quite a few players on their rosters that I'm anxious to see play. But we're going to take a quick commercial break, Matt Mike. We're going to come back. We're going to talk some New York Islanders. John Tavares is out the door. We're going to talk some New York Mets. And we want to fill some questions from the listeners. So we'll be right back with more of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, my name is A.O. Aaron Omar Baker. And I'm the producer for the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Show. Listen, for starters, I want to say thank you for tuning in, thank you for listening, and thank you for sharing the show. If you aren't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn. Just head over to LloydAThompson.com. All the information is there, and if you want to send a question to the guys, they'll answer it on a future show. You can do so at the website or directly by email. It's Lloyd at PardonMyFresh.com. All right, that's it. Real quick, real simple. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Before we went to the break, you know, we were talking about, we was going to discuss John Tavares, who unfortunately has left the New York Islanders, the end of an era. Exhausting week for fans and a bizarre saga, you know, over the last set of days. 
has come to end. The new regime of Lula Amarillo and Barry Trotz was not enough to save them. The limited promise of having Matthew Barzell, who won Rookie of the Year, you know, as the other part of a one-two punch, at the center was not enough to keep him at, Mike. The goal of finishing whatever he started and trying to win with the Islanders, the fifth cup in team's franchise history, was no longer a lure. He decided to check his options, and he's choosing one that takes him elsewhere to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, John Tavares, Matt Mike, is one of the best players in franchise history. He's leaving the New York Islanders after nine seasons, and it's absolutely his right to do so. But the way it went down will always carry a little extra sting for fans. The mismanagement of franchise for most of his tenure is largely to blame. But as part of leading fans to believe he wanted to make it work, provides that extra gut punch. He made it seem like he wanted to be here. So, you know, a man by the name of Arthur Staple was first to confirm that Tavares had finally notified the Islanders of his intentions to depart on Sunday. Um, you know, but the beginning of official free agency and the close of a week of discussing parameters with six teams has come to end. So John Tavares is no longer New York Islander, man, Mike. Um, in a way, I'm not shocked by it. Um, he gets to go home and play for his childhood uh, team, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm just not shocked. I mean, when you when you heard about the offers that were coming out, it's not like the, the Islanders didn't even offer him the most money. Uh, so, if you're not offering me the most money, well, what are you selling me? You're, you're, we only went to the second round of the playoffs one time, so you're not selling me a winning culture. You're not selling me a winning history. Um, and when I say winning history, I mean his nine years of being in the league. Um, they've been they've been a doormat. Um, or slightly better than a doormat for a majority of those years. Um, and like I said, uh, you know, San Jose Sharks offered him $13 million. Uh, the, the Islanders only offered him $11 million, uh, which was on par with Toronto. And if you're looking at an up-and-coming team like Toronto, a team that wins at a higher clip than the Islanders, um, uh, it, it's funny to say that the hometown team, in this case, who's, should have been the Islanders, actually had to pay a premium to get him not to go to his hometown team. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, he plays for the Islanders. He said, you know, it's like they were kind of looking for a hometown discount. And he's like, I'm not giving you a hometown discount uh, when I can go. They only, I think their final offer was for $11.25 million a year more, uh, 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 a quarter million dollars more a year than what the, the, the Canadian, uh, uh, the, Toronto Maple Leafs That's sad, man, Mike. That's sad. Yeah, it That's is. That's sad. That's it is. I mean, so, now, what what, what happened? You know, I'm a big Islanders fan. So, what happens now? But who, the, who the hell wants to come here? What marquee free agent wants to come to the Islanders? What do they have to offer? I mean, you know, I, I mentioned Matt Barzell. He, you know, he's... You know, he's a rising star. Hopefully he can, you know, continue to have another great season like he did his first year. But outside of that, Mad Mike, who the hell is that? Johnny Boychuk, is that enough to lure a top free agent to the Islanders? Yeah, I mean, but another thing that you got to consider, man, is is you guys are going back to the Rock for 20 games. You're still at the Barclays Center for the remainder of the of, of your home games. So it's not even like you're, 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 you're giving him a, a hometown, you know, a, a home arena. That to, because it's not. I mean, it, it, if he's comfortable, let's say he's comfortable in the Barclays, 
How do you think he feels about going to the Rock? Let's say he's more comfortable in the Rock. How do you think about how he feels about playing half his games in in, in a Barclays Center? I, I mean, and then what are you telling him? I don't know when this this new arena this new arena is going to be built. Two years, three years from now. So you're basically saying, hey man, trust us. Just deal with this for the next couple of years. It'll get better. I mean, this might be his 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 one his final huge contract. I mean, he's only 27 and he signed for seven years, so. He's not going to negotiate another contract till he's 34 years old. I mean, in three of those years, so he'll be 30 by the time they move into the new arena? Like, okay, John, trust us. Uh, we, we're going to figure this out. We know what we're doing. Nah, I mean, I've given you nine years for you to figure it out, and you never did. Now, also, Time to move on. Also, man, Mike, what does it say about new management? I mean, I don't feel that confident. No, I don't. I don't think you, man. This, in this no, new no, management, no. if you just the get our best player, walk right, away, and then you try to lowball right. him. What is that saying I, about new management? You win our we're, best we're, player, walk and you lowball. We don't know how much. We we don't know what what the money situation looks like, and 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 the other holes they have to have to fill. I mean, um, eleven million dollars is, is is a premium player uh, uh salary. It just looks really bad for them that, you know, they came in third on the list. I heard he bad. has, I heard, you know, he was a big fan of Goss Snow, who they fired, and you know how, t you know, players can be fickle. So I don't know, you know, they, they said that may have been a reason or one of the deciding factors as to why he bolted out the door as well. Who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm sure there's a, there's a lot, you know, he sent a, you know, a, heart, a heartfelt, you know, message to Islander fans with his fans. Who gives a crap? Who wants to? Who wants to hear that? Well, I say this: Garcino could, couldn't shine Lola Marillo's shoes. So no, I yeah, mean, that's what he's looking well, at. I mean, you know, it's night and day with him too. But I'm just saying, you know, you know, you, you. I was excited for for him. I was excited that they signed that. You know, the coach from the, you know, the Stanley Cup champions, Washington Capitals. Which I mean, he left. Or I don't. Did he leave or did he get fired? He left. Okay, so he left. So there you, that's something to be excited about. So, you know, you, you take, to me, you take two steps forward. And now, you know, it's like playing a video game where you got to start back, where you got to go all the way back to the start. To the, you know, the start of the level. You just lost your best player. And that was one of the things that the Islanders had trouble doing last year. They had trouble scoring goals. So where are you getting yeah. these goals from now? Where? Well, well, I mean, like I said, man. Well, they I, hit the I, I reset think, uh, button, Mad Mike, and they're starting over again? You know, they in a rebuild phase? I mean, let, let, let Lou do his job, man. I, I mean, Lou, Lou knows what he's doing. Lou can build a winner. Um, it's just a matter of, of, of how much the fans are now going to forgive him for this, or, or I'm not going to say forgive him, but how much of the blame he's going to take for, for coming into a, a pretty you know, messed up situation to begin with. Um, his first his first major negotiation happens to be with, with the best player on the team and the best player on the team uh, decides to leave. It's it's just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what to say, but I will say uh, I give him every opportunity uh, to turn this around and uh, we'll see what happens. All right, so <laughs> let's see. I mean, obviously... You know, I, I respect him for his for his job and, you know, hopefully he could turn things around. But you brought up a great point. You know, as a fan, 
him, you know, going to his first negotiation thing with a best player and a best player leaving for whatever reason, like you said, we don't know the logistics. You know, I, I said they lowballed him. Maybe they didn't lowball him. Like you said, maybe he wanted to go home and play. Maybe he wanted to return home. You know, we don't know. We don't know the reasons why. Maybe the reasons will come out. Maybe, you know, Lou will say something at some point to explain to the fans why he left. And maybe he did everything he could to get John to stay and he just chose not to. But like you said, you know, for, for a player playing on a team for nine years and a team that you spent nine years on is your third choice? Something's not right, Matt Mike. Something's not right. But we're not even going to talk about the Yankees because the Yankees are the Yankees and they're still playing good baseball. We're going to talk about the New York Mets, Matt Mike. And I believe it is super official. The Mets are now an embarrassment. My, listen, lose, losing is a disease. And the Mets are living proof of that. They have perfected the art of losing, Mad Mike, with the 5 and 21 month of June. Their worst June in, in their second straight loss to Miami Marlins over the weekend before winning yesterday at Marlins Park. Even Jacob DeGrom is not amused from losing. You know, there needs to be a complete cultural shift and a lot of different players because these Mets have become an embarrassment. They own the key to unlock a different way to lose every game. Bad defense? Let's check that off. Bad selection of pitches? Let's check that off. Bad instincts? Let's check that off. Bad clutch hitting? Let's check that damn box off too. And with Saturday's 5-2 loss to the Marlins... The 33 and 48 Mets have dropped at that point. They were at the bottom of the damn AL East. I mean, NL East, Matt Mike, with a 40 winning, a 400 winning percentage. To the tear it down, brick by brick, Miami Marlins. Now, Mickey Calloway, he was on board, he was on board saying it would do no good to blow it up in the media regarding the Mets losing ways. He said he addresses those issues with players. With so much losing, there's certainly a disharmony in the clubhouse. Some players who thought Terry Collins was the Mets' problems are now happy with Callaway's first-year managing styles. And I've brought that up before, where I said he just looked like a deer in headlights when it comes to certain things. But too bad, get a bigger mirror to look into. Callaway's made his mistakes. But this goes way beyond managerial decisions, Matt Mike. Losing, again, losing is a disease. Losing is a culture. You know, this time the 12 lead, thanks to Jose Patissa and Tom Fraser solo home runs, the bullpen is dreadful. The starting pitching is dreadful. They lost to the Miami Marlins. They lost two out of three to the Miami Marlins, Matt Mike. The Miami Marlins. The Mets just don't get it. And a lot of this goes back to their construction and not valuing defense. Almer Rosario made an error. And, and you brought up a great point. This is a young man that they said was better than Gleyber Torres. Who might I add is, you know, still tearing up the charts. And if he continues this up, he, he better run away with the damn Rookie of the Year award. He better. He better. You know, also, so it goes, there was also a weird pull-up 
at the base in which pinch hitter Jose Reyes grounded out batting for DeGrom in Saturday's game. Callaway inquired about the play and said Reyes told him he felt something coming out of the box and was scared he was going to pull something. What? Losing is a disease. The Mets have now somehow gone 12 straight series without winning a series, Matt Mike. They're the complete opposite of the Crosstown Rivals New York Yankees. This team has lifted losing to an art form. The talent is not there for the Mets. The defense is abysmal, which leads to so many problems. Every day is spring training with the new tutorial being taught to players like Flores, who simply does not have the foot speed to cover up for his defensive shortcomings. Might add you, he's not a first baseman, but they got him playing there. And it was a dribbler that was rolled up the line in the game over the weekend that he couldn't get to. A dribbler, man, Mike. The play should have been made. Jacob DeGrom was pitching, and voila, in the blink of an eye, the Mets are damn losing. Losing is a disease. And I'm not even a Mets fan, and these guys, I've completely gone off the short end with this team, man, Mike. I'm done with them. I'm, I don't even want to talk. I mean, we will probably will discuss these guys in a future show, but I don't even want to bring them up. And I'm sorry, Mets fans, that I have to bash your team, but your team needs to do something. We give credit where credit is due, and if you don't deserve credit, you don't get none from us. And they ain't getting none from us. Win some damn ball games, and you'll get some props from me and the Mad Mike. But until then, you suck. <laughs> uh, you done? I'm done, Mad Mike. <laughs> Listen, man. Um, I don't know what to tell you. I know that that Mickey Callaway gets a lot of uh uh, uh crap for this. Um, I know, uh, Joe actually texted me over the weekend and said, uh, he did say that if, if they got swept in Miami this weekend, uh, Callaway wouldn't, uh, make the flight back. He, he, he'd make the flight back to New York on his own dime to pick up his stuff, uh, because he'd be fired. Uh, so I, I look at it and I, I just tell him the total opposite. I just, I don't know what Mickey Callaway can do, uh, when you look at the poor construction of the team. I mean... These guys, Dom Smith. What is Dom Smith? Is Dom Dom Smith is, is is a fat turd? That's what he is. He's lazy. He can't play first base to save his life, and he can't play the outfield to save his life. And this is a former top fifteen overall pick, one of Sandy's first uh, ever picks. He just didn't develop. Uh, Merrizario, we look at him, and he just hasn't developed. You look at at the fact that they're so close minded that they don't even see that Jacob Degrom. And what they do, Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard are their most valuable players. And sometimes you have to trade those most valuable players because they're going to bring the highest return back. And, and I know Sandy, you know, God bless Sandy. I hope he beats it. But, you know, his, his off-the-cuff remark about we, we want 20 of your best players for Jacob DeGrom you, you tells me that you don't understand the severity of the situation that you've created in New York, in this uh, for this franchise, it tells me that you that, that you don't understand um, this mess. Noah Syndergaard, uh, you, you know, I think I mentioned this uh, on the show with Joe. Noah Syndergaard was a throwing. 
People don't realize that. Travis Darnot was was the crown jewel in the R.A. Dickey trade. And it's funny how everybody talks about Noah. He was the throw-in. Look how bad Travis Darnot has developed under Sandy's farm system. And yes, don't give me uh, Omar Minaya was brought back to oversee the farm, blah, blah, blah. Because you want to know what? They fired him to begin with. Don't tell me you're bringing him back because he, he did an amazing job if you fired him. It doesn't make sense to me. You don't bring back a guy you got rid of because bringing him back says that you, you fired him because the fans wanted him gone or because other people wanted him gone. But you really thought he did a good job. You know what I'm saying, Lloyd? It's like, I, I, don't, I, I just don't see that part of it. And since we're, we're you know, we can talk about Jay Bruce. Where does Jay Bruce fit in this team? You know, not for nothing. What did they get from Cleveland last year? They got nothing from Cleveland last year for Jay Bruce on an expiring contract. What do you think they're going to get for Jay Bruce on a three-year, $33, 39000000 million contract? He's not even he's playing, man. Year. Where the hell is he? No. Is he hurt? Uh, yeah, he's got like a hurt butt and a hurt foot. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, no, I'm serious. What I'm saying, though, is if you struggled to trade him last year, what makes you think you're now going to trade him in the year one of a new contract. It's not going to happen. Cespedes. Cespedes is, is, is you are Cespedes. If I recall, it was Oakland, Boston, Detroit, and now the Mets. So he's on his fourth team on, on making $30 million a year. What guy makes $30 million playing for his fourth team? Not his first team. Not his second team. His fourth team. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me, man. And then, we, we can go down the line. I mean, as Drupal Cabrera, yeah, yeah you're going to trade as Drupal Cabrera. But realistically, what is a Drupal Cabrera going to, going to, going to, who, who's he going to help? Go look at the market. What contender needs uh, an old, uh, a guy who, who can't play short, um, probably shouldn't even be playing second base at this point in time? Um, what are they going to give you? It, it's, and outside of that, who else do they have, man? Jairus Familia, who blew another game? Who's been pretty damn bad for the last two years? I mean, we're not talking about Jarvis Familia from from four, 2014 to 16. We're talking about 2018 Jarvis Familia. You know what I mean? So who, who are we talking about? Anthony Swarzak, who looks like the Anthony Swarzak that they pitched for the Yankees, and 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 well, we couldn't wait to run out of town. Not last year's Anthony Swarzak, who somehow fixed himself in, in the White Sox. We're looking at at, 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 at Anthony Swarzak, who's pitching like Anthony Swarzak. So what are you trading? I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm, I'm over it. There's nothing there. And then you want to talk to me about they have a three-headed GM? They have three GMs? How the hell does that work? So you got Omar Minaya, who, by the way, Brian Cashman. Well, yeah, I, I've spoken to Omar. So he's spoken to Omar. But you want to know what? The Dodgers have spoke, spoken to John Rico. And then um, J.P. Ricciardi's over here talking to Toronto. Uh, how are you? How are you going to get anything done when you have three people handling, you know, negotiations for the same player with three different teams? Whatever, man. Uh, yeah. Th- th- what, uh, here, 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 uh, here's what I think. I, I don't think that the New York Mets, the NL East, thirty-three win New York Mets, could beat the Scranton Triple A team for the New York Yankees. I don't think they could win. I'm on board with that, and this is a team in the beginning of the season, Mad Mike. You know, I was saying that this team can easily win a division or a wild card, you know, a wild card spot, you know, in the in the playoffs in the NL, you know, in the NL. And I mean, 
that's why I was so upset. Cause I didn't. I, I was one of the guys that said I thought that Philly and, you, and the Braves did it, improve. You called it. You know, but this wasn't a team, man, Mike. This team wasn't constructed to be a last place team. Oh, you're right. 100%. You know I'm saying this team was constructed to be a playoff team. With the signings, we always say I thought they signed middle tier free agents. You know, I, yeah, I, you know, but I, I, I thought they, I, I thought they did a good job this year. Yeah, they did, and I, um, I don't want to be a hypocrite though. I thought that they did a good job of acquiring depth because they've been a team that's been, you know, ravaged by such injuries. So I thought, uh, you know, getting Todd Frazier, I thought was smart because, you know, for the last few years they put all their eggs in the David Wright, uh, you know, him getting healthy and back on the field basket, and it hasn't happened. And, and this year, I'm like, Yo, well, at least you got Todd Frazier. You don't got to go and rely on some other guy who, who doesn't belong in the major leagues. Or, you know, uh, who was the other guy? Bargain. I, with the amount of uh, injuries to their pitching staff they've, they've been suffering, um, I thought Vargas was a, was a smart signing because, obviously, they don't have anything in the minors. Yeah, he's had, man, Mike. Wow. No, but you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but when you don't have a minor league farm system, that can produce major league worthy talent. That's that. Those are the kind of guys you have to sign. And, and what I was doing, I wasn't saying, "Hey, he went and hit home runs," and it's with a signing. But I think he did the right thing and said, "I know that I have a weak farm, and I can't, I can't take the chance that that uh, we can't sustain injuries this year." The problem is that those those like you just said, Vargas was a terrible signing, and and he's he's pitched like a terrible signing. Whew. Well, I mean, as promised, listeners. We Yo, have... breaking news, breaking news. LeBron James agreed four years, $154 million deal to become a Los Angeles Laker. Wow. I, listen, I, what am I saying wow for? Because that doesn't surprise me. I don't think it surprised anybody at all. I think I was just talking about this to somebody the other day, Matt Mike. Because Magic Johnson went on record and he said, well, if I don't get a free agent here, I'm going to step down as a, you know, I'm going to step down from my duties, as, you know, within the organization. So that kind of let me know he has something up his sleeve. Now, the question is, who else is going to come join LeBron James? Will it be DeMarcus Cousins? Will it be Kawhi Leonard? I mean, who else is out there as a free agent this year, you know, that they can get to come there? Because right now, LeBron with this team... That he's on the Los Angeles Lakers with. I mean, let's face it. I do think he, they're better than the Cleveland Cavaliers. But they're also in the Western Conference. So they, right now, this team, they A, either might not even make the playoffs. They might get ousted in the first round of the playoffs. That's how good the West is. Oh, I... I... With you, man. I'm with you. <laughs> but you know, hey, look, as Knicks fans, don't that make you happy? Nick Nick fans, we should be ecstatic. He's not in the Eastern Conference no more. Now I'm not saying that because we're gonna make the playoffs, but I'm saying that because god damn it, other teams got opportunities now. So thank you, Lakers, and thank you, LeBron James, for going west. You did you did everybody in the Eastern Conference a favor. No surprise. No surprise. You know, we said either either the Lakers or Philly. 
you know, but I was always saying I don't know how well he would fit in with the current players that Philly has, and every all the stars were aligned for him to go to the, to the Lakers, and that's what he did. So congratulations, LeBron James. Congratulations, the Lakers, for signing, you know, the top guy on the market this year. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. Do the Lakers go out and reach out to, you know, to the to Popovich about Kawhi Leonard? Because if they do, they're going to have to they're going to have to sell the farm to get him. If I'm Grant yeah. Popovich, you're gonna to have to give me a whole lot of players to get Kawhi Leonard. And that two-headed uh, monster right there, Mad Mike, that's not enough. Not enough. Kawhi and LeBron, no, it's not. Not enough. Even if they would have got Paul George, Paul George, Kawhi, and LeBron, not enough. Not enough. Yo, there you have it, folks. Mad Mike is dropping some breaking news to you guys. So I'm sure we'll talk about this on next week's show. But Mad Mike, let's take some questions because we've been putting off taking questions from our listeners for a few weeks now. So you ready to tackle some of these questions? Sure. All right. The first question comes from Sandy from Long Island. And Sandy, it's so ironic. Sandy wanted to know where we thought LeBron James was going to end up. Where do you have it, Sandy? He's with the Lakers. <laughs> Next question. You know what I'm saying? He's with the <laughs> Lakers. Now, I, I, again, you know, I just broke it down. I don't think, you know, his path to the NBA Finals has gotten so much harder. I thought it would have been an easier pass if he, if he went to Philly. But he doesn't, he doesn't fit in well with Philly. So, you know, you got anything to add about Braun to the Lakers and, you know, what that might mean for the Lakers and what you think the type of team they're going to be, if they're going to make the playoffs, you know, yada, yada? I, I, I don't know, man. Um, I always thought that LeBron James' best, uh, the best thing for his legacy was to stay in Cleveland. And I, and I, I always said it. Uh, if he got drafted... Number one overall, was a savior, put up a career like he did, and only won one title, but it was with Cleveland. Um, it was a success. I don't think he needed to chase titles in, in uh, um, Miami, and I don't think that he needed to do this either. Um, I, I just don't, I don't see the benefit to his career, but... It is what it is, and I don't, I don't see where the Lakers, the Lakers got better. Um, they still don't have a big man. They're still going to have to make some, some other trades because, uh, I mean, who are they going to sign? DeMarcus Cousins? Uh, you, you, maybe. Maybe Boogie will go there and, and team with LeBron alongside Julius Randle and some of these other guys, but does that make them a better team than Golden State? Nah, not, not one bit, man. Not one bit. Not one bit. But let's move on to the next question. Stevie G from Seattle, Washington, wants to know if we think that Kyrie will be joining the New York Knicks in 2019. I'll let you fire first. I do. I do. Um, I don't know how to... Uh, I, I, listen, uh, they have the money to do it. And like I said, if you if you can attach one of these other guys... And send him out the door with Cantor, you free up even more money. Uh, but I do because of the fact that you have KP. Uh, if Frank, if these new workout videos of Frank that came out this weekend, this past weekend, are any indication, he's ready to play ball. Um, you know, Kevin Knox, if he develops, if they, if they take the time to develop him, 
uh, if they're really bad as we think they'll be this year, um, you know, you're looking at another top five, top ten pick, top seven pick, and then you you add Kyrie to the mix. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I don't see why not. I, I think he'd love to come here. Not to mention, if he leaves Boston, he weakens Boston, right? So LeBron has left Cleveland. We now know. So they're weak. Uh, we've already seen Toronto is, is a nut, you know, full of nutcases that can't perform at their highest in in uh in, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So I mean, who's standing in front of the Knicks if these draft picks hit and and Kyrie goes there to 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 play with KP? Let's be honest about it. Who is head and shoulders, you know, above them at that point? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I brought this point up before. I can easily see Kyrie coming to. The New York Knicks, you know, he's from New Jersey. His roots are from here. Uh, when he got, when he requested a trade from Cleveland, the Knicks were one of one of the one of the teams that he had on his list of requests to be traded to, and the Boston Celtics weren't one of those teams. There were reports that he was complaining about the parquet floor, you know, when, you know when he was with Boston, and he just didn't seem to me watching him play this past season, Mad Mike. That that was a place that he, I, that he would want to settle in. So, you know, let's face it. The Knicks are aligning the stars. They're trying to align the stars to hopefully get him here in 2019. And they'll have the cap space to do that if he chooses to come. Which I hope he does. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be in a, a New York Knick, you know, after this season as well. Fingers crossed on that. You know, I don't think Clay Thompson would want to come here. I don't think Evan Turner would want to come here. You know, New York is a special place, but you got to want to be here. And you don't come here not only for the money, because this place will chew you up, eat you, you know, chew you up and spit you out. No, you're not wrong, but he's from here. Yeah. And, um... So he can deal with it. You know, my only thing is, you know, his knees. I'm worried about... His knees, um, supposedly oh, he had too. some kind of infection, which is why he missed the games that he did last year. He had some kind of no. infection in his knee, which is why he missed it. So, you know, I'm going to start walking around with a Kyrie 2019 hat on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to, listen, I'm starting the movement already, Mad Mike. I just hope I'm not disappointed because as Knicks fans, we've been disappointed too many times. Yeah, I mean, but this time, I I think, you got to think about it, man. Um, who were the teams on his list? Uh, San Antonio? Uh, I mean, San Antonio. I is, think Minnesota. The Timberwolves was on his list. Yeah, I mean, but they're capped out. And, and not only that, but you, you have Carl Anthony Towns, who is supposedly now very unhappy um, in Minnesota. So, um, I, I wouldn't want to go there if... if uh, if, if if you don't know what's going to go on with the big cat, uh, if no Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio, do you really want to go there? I mean, you, you want to put all your eggs in, in the uh, LaMarcus Aldridge basket and, and continuing to have to play Golden State and now the Lakers with LeBron, et cetera. I don't know, man. I mean, just for me personally, I, I, I think that the Knicks uh, have a lot better shot than people, you know, agree to. And, and I just think that it's because the Knicks... You know, there's such a laughing stock for so long that, you know, you, you sometimes you have to look beyond the past 
and, and you know, new coach, new front office, new regime, new decisions. Maybe he, he respects that. Maybe he sees the vision and, and he's comfortable with it. Fingers crossed on this one. So Marcus from the Bronx wants to know, man, Mike, are the Yankees above or under 100 wins regular season this year? You can go first. Um, I'm going to say they're above, but this is what I was telling you, man. It, it, it's Look at them. They're, they're, they've like significantly fallen off the, the 110, oh, uh, the, you know, the 110 win pace. Uh, and, and, um... You know, it just it, that's baseball. You know, injuries, et cetera. And um, I, I'm gonna say that they, they they we're off to such a great start. Yeah, I mean, dude, even if they finish 500 the rest of the way, I think they they're on pace for like 98, and they're gonna win more than uh, 500. They'll, they'll they'll go more than 500. So yes, uh, above 100. I'm gonna go above 100 as well, but I also want to point out, Mad Mike, that the pitching the Yankees need to fix that pitching staff, man. Watching Sonny Gray pitch the other day against the Boston Red Sox, I, I, I wanted to throw up. He's never going to be good against a team like that. And and I know where you're going because um, that's who he's going to have to pitch against in the playoffs. But these patient teams that know that, hey, these balls are going to uh, bottom out, these pitchers are going to bottom out, they take them. I mean, let's be honest. They, they work this guy until he puts the ball in the middle of the plate on a tee for them. And... Um, it's a problem. It's a real problem. But you want to know what? The Boston Red Sox have a David Price problem when it comes to the Yankees, don't they? No, they sure enough do. They sure enough do. But, I mean, let's face it. The, I would say that the Yankees' second-best pitcher right now is CeCe Sabathia behind Luis Severino. And I'm just saying, if, yeah. you, if you play against teams, you know, like the, the Houston Astros who have a three-headed monster or four-headed monster, you know, the, the, the Cleveland Indians, they have, you know, a two-headed monster, so to speak, or maybe a three-headed monster. You know, David Price can't get it together, but, you know, I would say that the Red Sox rotation might be better than the Yankees rotation, right? I just think that the Yankees, they have to make a deal, man, Mike. Obviously, you don't, you got to make the right deal. You got to make the right deal. But I'm just, I'm not a fan of this pitching staff, man, Mike. I just don't think that this current pitching staff it's going to, you know, I don't think they'll win a three-game series against the, you know, God forbid, a, you know, a, a, a short series against the Houston Astros or Boston Red Sox. I mean, Chris, Chris Sell, I mean, look, Chris Sell is one of the best pitchers in baseball. And the Yankees have one hit in eight damn innings against him. And that's I mean, but, but, you know, it's funny because I came from the total opposite uh, view of it yesterday. I was like, man, if I'm going to face Chris Sell, the guy I do want on the mound is Sonny Gray. Because a good Sonny Gray can battle him, and a bad Sonny Gray can lose to anybody. And just for me, I was just like, I was like, man, wouldn't you, what? If Luis Severino went out Saturday night and threw eight innings of one run ball, he would have got the loss. And then you'd be even more upset. So I'm like, I wasn't as, as I was upset. But. That, that's the matchup I want all day. Yeah, I mean, I'm I like, wasn't you know what? That's the matchup. The I'm Chris Sale game is the game you expect to lose. So why not lose 11 nothing? Yeah, well, I mean, my whole thing, man, Mike, is, again, you know, watching games like this just lets me know that they need to add an arm. That's all. No, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. 
But they don't need to add just any arm. It's got to no, be top, yeah, that's why I said they have to top make of the, the line right or it can't be anything. No, they have yeah, to make exactly. the right deal. I agree. And I yeah. mean, believe it or not, I do have faith in Cashman to make the right deal. But they, they I just don't know if it's out there, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think, as of now, it's not. No, and, and it's, teams it's, I mean, know the Yankees, you're going to... Teams know the Yankees need an arm, so guess what? The, the, the asking price is going to be mighty high. Yeah, and if you're them, it's like, hey, realistically, um, Noah, DeGrom, Baumgartner, uh, which are probably all not getting traded. Then you have Cole Hamels. Uh, you, you know, the, the move that's going to get us is, is and it's hard to say it because you know Andujar has been pretty damn special offensively, but the move that's going to get us is them not them not making a move for um, when they decided Andujar was untouchable. You had to put Frazier and Adams together to get uh, Cole uh, Garrett Cole, um, and and it, it never made sense to me at that point, and it kind of doesn't make sense to me now. Um, you can't you can't say I I don't know man like I. I uh, uh, Chance Adams having a terrible year, and and Frazier has no spot on the team. So it looks to me like Garrett Cole is the guy that you know that they missed out on. And I don't know if you're going to get a guy better than Garrett Cole um, at the trade deadline. Yeah. So all right, listeners, we have time for one more question, and the last question is coming from John John from New Jersey, and he wants to know if we feel that the neck the Knicks got it right. By drafting Kevin Knox with the number nine pick in this year's draft, you go ahead and take. You go first. You go first. You go first. I can't relive this. All right. So here's the thing. I can't say that the Knicks got it right, and I can't say that the Knicks got it wrong. I think if the Knicks would have picked from one through five, then we could have had this argument as far as if they got it right or got it wrong. Because to me, those the players that were in the top five were the players you know that we felt should have went in the top five, and then everything else we said from six to ten was really, a, you know, six and beyond was really a crapshoot. So I like the upside of Kevin Knox. Obviously, you know, we know Michael Porter Jr. had injury issues, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy that the Knicks didn't go there. I thought that they was going to go with Mikel Bridges. I always get their names mixed up. Is that right? Matt Mike from Villanova? Yeah, Mikel. All right, I thought they was going to go with Mikel Bridges because he was an NBA, he was the most NBA-ready player, quote-unquote. Of the guys that was left, that's why I was expecting him to pick. I I threw Kevin Knox's name out there to a friend of mine's when I was saying watch the Knicks pick him, and they actually did, and I was joking, hoping that I was wrong. But you know, summer league is coming up. Let's see what he has. Like I said, he has a big upside. He's six nine. You know, he can he can get better. He can get worse. But you know, my main right. thing is I I want to see Fitzdale give these young guys. You know, let them play, man, Mike. Let them go through the bumps and bruises. My, my, you know how I feel about it. Uh, talking about a guy, yeah, he's gonna flash his scoring uh, uh, versatility, his ability to score inside and outside. But at the same time, he's gonna show you that you know he, he's still uh, growing defensively, if not still undedicated defensively. Uh, he, he needs to work on his handle, and he needs to work on his, his consistency. And it sounds a lot to me like. Like like Frank Milikina. and like I said before, um, I, if Steve Mills was against that pick, then this pick makes no sense to me. And if he if he was for the that, that's what I'm gonna say. I, I don't know what else to say about the pick. If Steve Mills um, was totally against Frank Milikina pick, like all the reports he leaked out, because we know who leaked them out, it had to be him, right? I mean, 
Phil Jackson wasn't leaking out reports. I'm for Nilakina and he's for Dennis Smith Jr. Um, he just wanted to paint himself in a better light. It's the same pick, man. It's the same player. I'm not, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not the same player. You know what I mean? It's, it's the same pick from a developmental standpoint. And, 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 you know, I showed you that picture. Did I not send you the picture of him and uh, Joakim Noah? That yeah. looked like the guy that wasn't on board with that signing. Yeah. He looked more happy to have Joakim on board than, than uh, Phil Jackson did. And that big, right there, you, you saw the picture. I sent it to you. Yeah, I saw it. So all, all I'm saying is, to me, Steve Mills looks like a guy who's hiding behind a lot of story. Um, but has his fingerprints on a lot of a lot of the things that have gone wrong, or a lot of the things that the fans um, object to, seem to me like like he's got just as much fingerprints as the next guy. Yeah, so I mean, again, so, yeah, I'm sorry, again, man, Mike. No, I was just gonna say. So, do I think it's right? I, I don't know. I mean, if I'm preaching patience with Glaber, I'm gonna preach patience with Knox. Yeah, listen, and 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 in two weeks. You know, they have the summer league, so we'll get to see these young men play, and we'll, we're definitely going to discuss that some more, you know, because you can look and see if a player has potential, and if they don't, and Frank Nilekina is on that team. No, by the way, speaking of, I don't know if you, you saw, they, they, they put up the list of the top 50 uh, summer league players. Did you see that list? No, I didn't. Knicks have, Knicks have two players on it. Um, Kevin Knox came in at 37. He was voted 37th out of, top, out of uh, top 50, and Frank was voted 20. Oh, top wow, 20, okay. the top 20. All right, kudos. <laughs> Listen, we'll see. So, I'm looking forward to no, no, it. I'm just saying, you, you know, so just, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, look, home, they were the only two to Frank, make it. Frank so. Little Lakina is highly regarded in the league amongst his peers and coaches, man, Mike. You know, time and time again, we've heard players speak highly of him, and we've heard coaches speak highly of him. You know, so hopefully, you know, I'm hoping and from what I'm seeing that Jeff Hornacek didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't handle this young man the right way in his first year in the league. So hopefully Fitzdale does a better job of that. Like I said, you have to let these young men go out there. And even if the Knicks finish with the worst record in basketball, you have to let them go out there and learn how to be an NBA basketball player because it's completely different than playing college ball. Just like college football is different than playing pro football. You know, this is the case in, in, in all major sports. It's a different beast. A different beast. But with that being said, listeners, we're going to keep this theme going in the next week's show. And we're going to fill some more questions as well. Me and the Mad Mike both apologize that we don't tackle questions as much as we should. Sometimes we get caught up in so many other things. But we promise we're going to take some more questions next week. And that's going to bring us to the conclusion of this week's show. We want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to listen to us as always. We want to thank our producer, A.O. Omar Baker, for keeping this thing going. So, guys, we'll see you in seven days. Have a safe and blessed week. Bada boom! Ah, you thought I was going to say it. Ain't going there. Hey, yo! Let's roll, baby! And that's a wrap for today's show. Shouts to everybody for checking it out. Make sure you subscribe. Brand new episodes drop every Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And as always, check out LloydAThompson.com. Peace.